the Own Your Intuitive podcast is for the creatives, spiritual entrepreneurs, and light workers in the world. The shining ones who have been told to dim their light and stop believing in magic. I say screw that. The time to rise is now to bring your gifts out into the world in a big way, creating a business that feeds your soul and your bank account. You are a magical being with the potential to change the world, one human at a time. The time for you to own your intuitive is now. Oh my goodness, magical beings of light. We have a super special treat for you guys today. I love the way the universe works, bringing people together. And it just so happened that if you've listened to the podcast episode with Jen Mons, then you will know there is a super special connector to my guest today. It was like, she is like the light that brought two other lights to this podcast episode. And once you hear what the message of today's guest is, you will completely understand why this introduction was made. Because let me tell you, I've spent some time with today's guest and she is blowing my mind, which means I know she's going to blow your mind. And what she is offering into the world right now is going to change like the landscape for highly energetic beings. Let's just put that out there. Right. So please help me in welcoming Heather Alishe to the podcast today. Heather, I'm so excited that you are here. Oh my gosh, Tamara. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna play that intro. That's the best intro I've ever had. And two, I want my husband to hear it and be like, see that babe? See that babe? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> I am so excited to be on your podcast. By the way, I had found your podcast own your intuitive before Jen had even met you. So this is a bit of a banner moment for me to be on. So thank you so much. Well, you just made my day too. Well, this is like love fest (laughs) to start today's (laughs) podcast off. So I obviously am super excited to have you here. Can you give the listeners a little bit of like background as to who you are, what you do, so they know a little bit why I'm so excited? (laughs) Sure. So um, I run a life coach training and business development company called Atmana Coaching Academy. And what we do specifically is we train and certify spiritually oriented, intuition-focused coaches. That's what Atmana exists to do. So um, I believe that the world sort of stands at a precipice right now, those of us who are doing healing work. My background is from the, the quote unquote, the mainstream, um, you know, I, my background's in clinical mental health counseling. Um, I have a bachelor's degree in psychology and a master's degree in clinical mental health counseling. I've been coaching. I have three life coaching certifications, two clinical hypnotherapy certifications. I've been doing healing work, you know, literally my entire life, but I grew up sort of in that mainstream paradigm where if you can't touch it, see it, smell it, taste it, or feel it with one of your five senses, of course it's not real. And, you know, go sit at the little kid table and, you know, sort of be over there in the complimentary and alternative realm that doesn't really get the, the um, I think, the respect mm-hmm. that the work that we do as energy-sensitive beings deserves. So um, I just decided, screw that. We're taking the kid gloves off. We know that the work we do as intuitives, as empaths, as energy-focused healers is just as efficacious as anything coming out of the mainstream uh, clinical world. And Atman exists to prove that. So uh, we are a research-based organization. Um, Everything that we teach by way of intuitive development and using our intuition in our sessions with our clients is based off data. 
So, you know, imagine being able to walk into a room and land corporations as a client using your intuition. So can I I just ask a quick question here? Because for those who are listening, who's like, she keeps saying the word intuition, intuitive. Can you define that for somebody who is listening, who may be like, am I intuitive? Is this, I'm just thinking from who's listening standpoint, because we're we're saying the word so much. I just want to have clarity. Yeah, no, that's a really great question. There are many different uh, levels to answering that question right? So it's actually a really good question because I, it, you know, I could talk about it for 30 minutes, but the, the bottom line, the way I see being an intuitive, um, if you actually, if we take a step back and look at the word intuition and you break it down into its root words, it roughly like the, the word intuit, it means um, instruct the word tuition, our modern day word tuition actually comes from the same root word as intuition. That means to teach or to instruct. Interi means to reflect upon or on. And then interi means watcher or guard. So when you look at the whole definition of the word to say, I'm an intuitive, you're an intuitive, she's an intuitive, he's an intuitive. What the word, what intuitive really means is to be a person who contemplates on or upon the teaching or wisdom of the inner watcher or guard. Someone who reflects on the teaching of their inner guard, their inner watcher. And I think that's such a beautiful way to think about intuition. Mm -hmm. And it sounds very esoteric and woo, but here's an experiment I want your listeners to try. I've been doing this for 10 years. Just an everyday conversation with a person. Ask them. Have you never vibed out? Tell me, tell me about a time when you've vibed out or ha- have you never like met a person? They'll all be like, yeah, I have. Like, have you ever walked into a room and just like knew you needed to get out of there? They'll be like, oh man, yeah. Or have you ever just met someone and just known that they weren't right for you? They'll be like, oh my God, you know, my mother-in-law, dear God, you know, <laughs> like everybody's got a story. So we all know every human being on this earth understands that. They just don't identify or call themselves an intuitive because this is a conversation that's literally been waiting for this moment in our human evolution. So I liken this a lot to the mindfulness movement. So you walk into Barnes and Noble and there are 50 magazines now that just say mindfulness, mindfulness, mindful, mindful. It's all over the place. But if we were to get in a time machine and go back to 1970 and you were to say to a person, do you practice mindfulness? They would give you the exact same response as if you're asking them about whether or not they were an intuitive today. And yet here we sit in 2019, knowing it is the answer to everything. Corporations are dropping billions of dollars to have their employees trained in, in, in mindfulness. So I believe that in 20 to 30 years, those of us who understand that intuition is the next step after we become mindful, we become intuitive, right? So to say that I'm an intuitive is just someone who, who is in touch with her inner experience and who takes seriously that inner experience. And I see the intuitive movement as a natural outgrowth and the next step of the mindfulness revolution that we're currently now, the mainstream America is now adopting. But if you were in the 70s, everybody thought you were crazy, mm-hmm. right? And they were asking you, hey, what does it mean to be mindful? Right. But- that's, that's where this whole thing is going. So I want, I, I founded Atmana to help usher in that new movement. 
And because I love this story and everybody's like, what does Atmana mean? Heather? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I got to do a video on this. <laughs> um, so it's actually a word I made up. So Atmana, um, it comes from two words. The word Atman, which in the Hindu tradition means the higher self. Um, another way to say this in the Christian tradition would be like the Holy Spirit. So um, your higher self, the ATM in Atmana comes from the word Atman. And then the A in A in Atmana comes from the last three words of Nirvana, which is from the Buddhist tradition, which is, you know, roughly translates to heaven, you know, but more specifically, the concept of Nirvana is entering into a state of peace through this, through uh, the cessation of suffering, you as you as you no longer suffer, as we work on ourselves, as we embrace our own divine birthright, and as we ascend into our higher selves, to use a psychological term, I would say to self-actualize. Right, ascension and self-actualization are the same thing. Um, as we self-actualize, we reduce suffering, and we be, enter into the kingdom of heaven. So, atmana means. As, a, as an Atmana intuitive or as an Atmana coach or someone who just loves the movement, it's about being a person who exists and works to reduce human suffering, to end human suffering through helping people step into their, their best selves every single day. I love that. And I'm just going to clarify a little bit with uh, some of the listeners. When we're talking about heaven, it's heaven on earth. It's you being sure. clear in your internal body and in that enlightened state. And that is the nirvana of creating, you know, no more suffering within yourself. So you are mm -hmm. in a space of feeling heaven every single morning, every single evening, every single moment of every day, because you are heaven. I just wanted, mm -hmm. if they're like, heaven, what do you mean heaven? <laughs> yeah. And I, I appreciate that. It's funny. I do appreciate that tomorrow. You're so smart to, to offer, those clarifications. I, I, as a trained clinician, mm -hmm. I, I have sort of just holistically adopted the, the, the knowing mm -hmm. that traditional religious philosophies exist to try to describe uh, human states of consciousness. And, you know, up until the scientific method was introduced, we externalized things like heaven. We externalized things mm -hmm. like the devil. We externalized these things. Um, I live in a world where um, I, <laughs> I appreciate you mentioning that because I just live in a world with my clients where, where, yeah, of course, heaven is an interstate. And, you know, even Christ himself said that, that heaven, yeah. the kingdom of heaven is within. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so it, it, it is about realizing that we're already there. Yeah. I Thank you for that. There was so much just talking to you, by the way. I love sharing energetic space with you. Now, we're going to take it back a little bit and get into your origin story here because this is so profound, the work that you're doing. But, like, were you always an intuitive? Were you always this way? Like, where did this all begin? What was your, your beginning story here? Yeah, that's uh, thank you for that. It's a, a great question. Um, well, now, now that I know what the, the data clearly show about intuition, and by the way, we actually now, through, um, through just stone cold 25 years of scientific research, understand, I'm going to use a $10 word, the psychophysiological processes through which we send and receive intuitive information. So this is no longer like um, a question. Mm -hmm. We know what the sixth sense is. It's a, it's a heart-brain connection. There's actually a neurological pathway. We can explain that later if it's interesting and we get into it. So one, I will say, yes, I've always been intuitive because every human being on earth is, intu is yeah. an intuitive. It's a baseline skill. Every, it's literally 
like you're born being able to blink your eyes, you're born being able to intuit. Um, so yeah, I always have been from that perspective, but my origin story is I was raised here in the South. I live in Florida, but I come from a family of since the 1700s, my family has been here in the South and they are all fundamentalist, you know, Christian, very, very religious uh, people. You know, that's really the heritage of being, you know, a, a kind of a Southern girl. And um, I grew up in an environment where you had to be a good girl. You had to sit down, shut up and do what God told you to do. And by God, I mean, you know, the men <laughs> who run everything. Um, and so I was taught that intuition, things like this are, are evil. Mm-hmm. Like literally I was taught that it's demons like mm-hmm. talking to you. So, um, you know, looking back on it, I, I've always been hyper empathic and intuitive, but very much closed that down when I was little because I thought that it was very bad. Mm-hmm. Um, something about the religious, the really strict conservative religion I was raised in never resonated with me despite being very brainwashed into it, of course, like any young child would be, but it always hurt my soul to be a part of it. I always knew something was wrong with it, but because everybody that I loved and admired and that loved me and that was responsible for shepherding me into this world was teaching me that that's the truth. Of course I adopted it and I think it warped me in a lot of ways, but you know, long story short, I was always at odds with God you know, universe, spirit, whatever you want to call it. I don't care. Buddha, Shiva, Shakti, Christ, your cat, Steve, doesn't matter to me. Whatever you want to call the higher power, it doesn't matter. If you're an atheist, call it science. Who cares? The point is, whatever we conceive to be a higher power, I was always at odds with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I was an atheist in my 20s. Yeah, I've just, I've done all of that, right? And um, when I was in my 30s, I was diagnosed with a chronic illness and I was very, very sick. I had a surgery a year for five years, doctor after doctor, ER visit after ER visit. No one could really figure out what was going on with me. I had a diagnosis. I had stage four hemorrhagic endometriosis, um, but also I had other unexplained issues going on in conjunction with this illness. And that coupled with all of these surgeries I kept having to get my, and then just, it was awful. So um, in 2012, I finally opted to have this big surgery um, to hopefully get rid of this, of the disease and all of the complications that were, were coming along with it. And I had the surgery and actually the opposite happened. I failed to recover. My lower, the lower half of my body wouldn't stop swelling. Um, I was in so much pain. I, I was just at the end of my rope. And at this time in my life, I was, I was finishing my undergraduate education. I was a research assistant in a, uh, we were studying human cognition and memory. I was all about the data. Again, if I can't touch it, see it, smell it, I didn't want to have anything to do with it. You know, I'm like, "Mm -mm, that's not, it's not something I can afford. I don't want to get taken again. Like I did when I was little, you know, I don't want to be asked to believe in anything. I want data. I want to know, you know? So, um, as, as I had this surgery and I was failing to recover, it was really like a spiritual crisis for me. And I had learned how to meditate about six months previous to this surgery because I had heard that it was really efficacious in the reduction of pain. It was a great pain management tool. I refused to be addicted to opiates. And that's all my doctors would give me was pain medicine. I used to kid and say, I could have made a ton of money on the black market because they were throwing me pills like it was Halloween candy, you know? So, but I opted for meditation and what I found was that I could meditate quite easily. I could enter into these really deep 
states of trance. And so um, one night, just laying there, failing to recover, I uh, had a moment where I just thought, you know what, I might not make it. Like, I'm really sick. And the doctors don't have an answer for me. Um, and I'm in, I'm in real trouble. And I had watched my father passed away in 2006. I was very close to him. And I had, I, um, you know, found his body. He was, you know, in rigor mortis and stuff when I had found him. And as I laid there realizing how sick I was, I, it hit me like a freight train that I might not survive, that I could die tonight, that I, wa- that I really was that sick. And in that, the moment I had that realization, I became terrified that my daughter would find me like I had found my father. And I, everything in my body, my mind, my heart, my spirit was like, I cannot let my daughter go through that. She was only eight at the time. And so, of course, I jumped into like full-on Heather mode. I'm like, okay, well, if I die, guess what? I'll get up. I'll go get my husband. I will make sure that my daughter does not come in. I'll get him to lock the doors. We'll call the, you know, and my daughter won't have to go through that. And then it hit me. I was like, Heather, but you're going to be dead. You're not going to be able to save her from that. And then I became furious, absolutely furious. I call it my Lieutenant Dan moment. (laughs) I started like, I literally started like screaming. I'm like, whatever. That's from Forrest Gump, y'all, if you don't know. (laughs) Forrest Gump, yeah, the movie Forrest Gump. He's a guy who's like really mad, He, you know. And he, he's like, has this reckoning on the boat with, you got to watch that movie. Yeah, it's a great movie. Like to see that scene. So, um, yeah, so I was like, you know what? If I die, that's fine, but I'm going to get my answers from this God that exists that, you know, my family, like, screw this. And so um, I said, I literally said, whatever force is on this earth, I call it down. Like, my body was shaking. I'm like, you will, you will answer me. It's like so blasphemous as I look back on it, but I don't even care. Like, I was like, it's on. And all of a sudden in my mind, I got really calm. It's like the emotion went out of me all of a sudden. And I heard a voice in my head and it said, Heather, you can continue and your anger and your bitterness for the rest of your days, however long that might be, or you can choose forgiveness and grace. The time is now choose wisely. It was like as clear as a bell. And nothing like that had ever happened to me before, ever. Not when I was believing in church, nothing like that had ever happened to me. So I knew I was onto something. I knew something was happening. I didn't know what long. So I, I went into the meditation and a lot of things happened. But as I went into the meditation, I felt wave, like the only way to describe it is like waves of love, like this kind of this unconditional love, like almost like being hugged by a mother that loves you more than any. That's the only way, like mother love is the only way I really could, could describe it. But it wasn't that. It was something beyond that. And I knew in that moment I had a decision to make. And so I chose forgiveness and, and grace and asked only for more of that feeling. I didn't even ask to be healed. I asked for nothing, but just, can I just be at peace with you and have more of this feeling? I fell asleep to the meditation, but I woke up that next morning completely healed. My incisions had were sore, but other than that, I was completely fine. I haven't had an attack since. And not only that, but I could still hear that voice. And over a period of about eight months, I dived into the scientific literature. How did I heal myself into what the hell is this voice leading me, guiding me, offering me peace, showing, you know, helping me live my life. And so through my research, I found that it is, you know, the concept of the higher self, you know, it's, it's you with you, it's your own internal compass mm-hmm. um, and developed research-based methods for, 
the development and the cultivation for one to begin to listen to, tap into, trust, act, embody uh, this wisdom that we find within ourselves each day. And I want to get back to this, but I can't help but, because we kind of jumped through that five-year span and there's so many things that went through because the way that you're telling this story, like I have like four questions here, so just bear Mm -hmm. with me. Yeah. Um, For those that are listening, that had to do with your cervix. Is that right? The hemorrhoidal endometrium? All of it. Yeah, all of it. My uterus, ovaries, uh, everything. I've had seven organs removed from it. Okay. Okay. And you had been a young mom, like you had a three-year-old when you started all of this by the second of it. Mm-hmm. So that is a lot to go through in that moment of having a three-year-old and experiencing that level of like mm-hmm. trauma inside of your womb. Yeah. Thank you for that. I tend to gloss over it because <laughs> there's so much, but yeah, yeah, it was really wild. It went, and very sad. I had, I had done th- uh, two or three rounds maybe of in vitro and IUI. I mean, I certainly wanted more children, but just couldn't, it just, my own, my, that was my, my stuff, man, working through my stuff, mm-hmm. my mom's stuff, my life stuff, you know, all my stuff, you know? Yeah, faced with it in those forms of, you know, experiences. The third thing I want to say is I know that you had mentioned that you got into mental health in the beginning. And so I kind of want to go back into where and why and how and what brought you into that part of your research and experience. <laughs> I come from, here we go, girl, and we'll give you a raw answer. I come from a family of riddled, it's riddled with mental illness. I mean, and I say that like with a smile on my face and love in my heart. I think that the most brilliant, sensitive, wonderful people in this world struggle with anxiety, depression, mood disorders. I think that it's a sign of, of, I really do. I, I really do. No, I do too. Yeah. yeah. Like, and I say this as someone trained. Like I have a master's degree in this. Yeah. Like I, I, I'm, it's not just my opinion. Like I've studied it. I've dedicated my life to this. And I think that, I think that with great gifts, there, there are aspects of being, um, being a sensitive person. I think that when, you know, like for instance, depression, I think that I was diagnosed with depression at the age of 22 and PTSD. Um, I was from sexual abuse in my childhood. So I've, I've, I myself have struggled with mental um, health challenges and um, my family as well. I think we're all a bunch of really sensitive, highly intelligent, compassionate, loving people. And when you are a highly sensitive, really intelligent, compassion, compassionate, loving person on a planet like this, you're going to struggle, babe, probably struggle a little bit, babe. And they're probably going to labia a little bit. <laughs> and that's okay. So, so I think it was really just kind of born out of me wanting to know what the hell was going on with myself and, and with my siblings and, and my parents and, and with the people around me that I admired that would say things like, yeah, you know, I'm, I couldn't get out of bed for three weeks too. What the hell is going on? I wanted to be a person with, with an answer to that question. So 
and support yeah. them. And this is what I think, because you and I have talked about this as so powerful, impactful with your work, because, you know, in Eastern cultures, you know, when you show signs of having a spiritual gift, you are honored and brought into the village to work with, you know, the elders and fostered and cared for, and your gift is nurtured. And, you know, you are given mm-hmm. the tools that you are required to have in order to step fully into that with confidence. Here, <laughs> In Eastern culture, you show signs of hearing, seeing, sensing, or knowing things that other people do not hear, see, sense, or know. It's frowned upon. It's looked upon as being an illness as opposed to being a celebration. Can you touch on that or what your thoughts are on that? Yeah, I think that in 20 years, when people start looking at what the data actually say, we'll, we'll drop all that nonsense over here in the Western Western world. I, I will say this, you know, I've worked with people who have schizophrenia. Mm-hmm. I have. I've worked with people who disassociate, formerly known as multiple personality disorder, right? Those are real phenomenon. I think that there are people who need professional help as we would, you know, you would find with a traditional psychologist or traditional psychiatrist. Is that real? Yes. Mm. But, and there are some people whose cases are so severe, it's like you need a tourniquet, right? It's just stop this person from jumping off the bridge. You know, there are some people where that type of tourniquet sort of, you know, stop the bleeding might be necessary. So I I have seen that. And I think that there is some, some validity in it, but those, that, those are not long-term solutions. The traditional Western model that we are in with mental health, it's, it might stop the bleeding, but it doesn't solve the true problem, whether it's mental, emotional, spiritual, or physical, that it doesn't really address the chronic issues that are happening. So, you know, on the one hand, I want to say, look, you know what, if you're really, really off, if you're, you know, I've, I've had clients that are cutting themselves so hard, they've had to have stitches. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you just, you know what, you might need some meds and to like be monitored for three weeks because you're probably going to kill yourself, right? Like, okay, so there's that. But apart from that, I think we need different solutions. I think we need to start understanding that there is an an affective, right? Emotional-based aspect of being human that we do not understand yet, that we live in a very overly intellectualized society, And if you're a person who doesn't identify in that way, who doesn't feel the world in that way, you're not going to fit in. And you're going to need to find a tribe of people who understand that you do see, feel, hear things differently. And, and so on, so on the flip, so on the one hand, I get it, but on the, I I kind of understand the Western model, but on the flip side of this, and this is where Mana comes in, this is where a research-based Uh, educational institution for healers to step forward and fill this gap we keep talking about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When you understand what energy sensitivity is and what these affective experiences that we have actually are not from a, Hey, I believe in it because you know, the Vedanta said it or the Bhagavad Gita talks about it or the Bible talks about it. Not that, but from a, hey, guess what? We've got 70 years of people researching this. I'm incredibly inspired by Dr. Dean Radden at the um, Institute of Noetic Sciences. His book, Real Magic, will blow your mind. We have 70 years of research. Yeah, write that down. <laughs> yeah. 70 years of research into how human intention, how prayer, how all of these, uh, in, I call them inner technologies, do 
actually work to help people heal at a very, very, very fundamental level. And I believe that my spontaneous healing, the one that I experienced, and again, what makes this so hard to really, you know, talk about is that it is fundamentally a personal experience. You know, I, I can't convince anybody of what I went through. It's my transformational story. It's my union back with the divine. It's, I didn't have that experience to convince anybody, mm-hmm. right? That's, it's my, but I, no one can tell me that the, that these phenomena aren't real, right. that intuitive work doesn't heal because I've lived it myself. And I, and, and as I dug into the data, there's a ton of science that supports what we do. It's just, no one knows about it yet. And the people that do are scared to talk about it because they get ostracized. They get discounted as a professional. You know, if you step up and go, I'm an intuitive people think you're like a, they, they dismiss you. Mm -hmm. So I want to empower coaches to go, Oh no, 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 no. No, 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 you don't, you don't, you don't get to say that this isn't real. Like I gave a speech here in my hometown on intuition, how I train people to use it. And this lady walks up to me, she goes, well, I don't believe in intuition. I said, that's cool. I'm not asking you to believe in it. Belief is a completely separate phenomenon from knowing something. They're too diametrically, it's like hot and cold. They're t- belief is not, not knowing. So you don't have to believe it. That's fine. But know this not believing it. It's, that's like saying the sun doesn't, I don't believe the sun rises in the East. No, the honey, the sun rises in the East. This is an empirical fact. (laughs) Now, if you don't want to believe it, that's fine, but it still rises in the East, regardless of whether or not you want it. So don't believe in it. Cool. And it still rises in the East. It's totally fine that you don't want to believe it. But again, honey, still rises in the East. We now know how intuition works. So if people say to me, I don't believe in what you do, awesome. You have every right not to believe in it. But what you can't tell me is that the earth is flat. You can't tell me the sun doesn't rise in the east. So as a person empowered with this knowledge, people don't get to say that to me. You don't get to, you don't, you can't walk into a room and tell me, and I, oh, you cannot understand how much I had this in graduate school, by the way. You, you can't come to me and say that. You're not going to shut me up with it. I will drown you in data. (laughs) I will drown you in research. It's horrible. Like, so I can feel your passion, Heather. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> and that's what it's going to take. Listen, if you're an intuitive or an empath, don't let people shut you down. And the reason why I get so passionate about it is because I was shut down for mm-hmm. 35 years and yeah. lost seven organs because I refused to own this truth down into my body. Okay. I mean, I almost died because I wouldn't own it this whole time. So we, we can do this. It's not the 1700s anymore. We can stand up and go, one, don't get to burn me at the stake. Two, here's some data. Three, <laughs> let's, let's have a meaningful conversation about it. Let's have a meaningful conversation. And I think it's so empowering for the empaths because I talk about the empowered empath all the time because, you know, the victimization of the empath has been so inbred in us. Oh, I feel so much. I need to sleep. I need to like, you know, not go out. I need to do all that. But there's a level of empowerment that comes as when you understand that it is a superpower that you can actually shift and transform the energy of a space, a room, a person, like all sorts of stuff. And so 
right? Like I would love to hear, um, you know, the science, like I know we've touched upon it and you talked about like, if we could get into the heart and sure. the head and I, are you talking coherence here? Like, let's, yes. let's throw it all on the table. <laughs> yeah. So first thing I'll say is just to make this like super easy for people who want to get started with the basic research on this. You can, I have a, a resources page on my website. You can go to heatheralashay.com forward slash resources and you can see um, I cherry picked some fun, interesting um, uh, TED Talks, YouTube videos, and some uh, scientific literature. This is stuff published like in the Journal of All Peer Reviewed Science, right? Like published in the Journal of Cardiac Medicine or what, like real, legit, mainstream publications. So you can go check that out if you want to learn a bit more about it. Um, but yeah, I mean, basically the, the gist, so let's, let's kind of, let me stop and kind of think about how to, how to present this. Okay. So the, so the first thing to know, if you're a person who is an intuitive or you're an empath, or you just are in general, um, an energy sensitive being the, the first thing to understand, it, it's kind of like the myths that we need to dispel about these gifts. And I say gifts, it's really more like an ability but I like the word gift because it makes, it makes me feel special. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and it is a gift. It is a gift to be born, you know, to, to feel this and to be in yes. connection with it. Yes. I really do. I think it is a gift. So, so the, the, the first thing to know is that the first myth to intuition is that people, some people are intuitive and some people aren't. That's actually not true. Every human being on earth is an intuitive. It's just that some of us know we are and some of us don't know we are. And Another, so when we talk about intuitive development, we're not talking about becoming intuitive, although we use that language just because it makes more sense to us, I think, in an everyday sense. But really what's happening when we talk about using our intuition or developing our intuition is we're talking about making a currently unconscious process that we use every single day. It's unconsciously. It's about taking that unconscious power that's 100% developed you don't need to become more intuitive. You're 100% intuitive. It's about taking that, that, um, that skill and bringing it into conscious control. Number one, consciously control, conscious awareness. It's becoming aware of it. And then two, under voluntary control. So like when I'm in session with someone, I can turn, I can literally turn my intuition. My, I, can, I can focus my energy in such a way that I can inform, data gather from that person's energetic field. I can mm -hmm. control how I use this, inf, uh, this data gathering system, which that is what intuition is. It's an affective data gathering tool. Into our, using our intellect logic, that's a linear cognitive data gathering tool. Intuition is an affective, an emotional, energetic data gathering tool. They're both information gathering tools, yeah. So... It's about taking it back under voluntary. It's about becoming aware of it and bringing it under voluntary control. So here's a perfect example where you're breathing. You've been breathing this entire interview and so have I, and so has everybody listening, but watch this. I can take a breath if I want to, if I want to, I can go and I can also exhale, right? So it's an, it's a process I'm doing that I'm always thinking about, but when I stop and go, huh, I want to take a deep breath right now. I can. That's, That's intuition. Both times. I don't know why. I was like, we should. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so that's the first thing to understand that you as an intuitive, and this is so empowering if you think about it, mm -hmm. you as an intuitive are 
girl, you are just doing, you're just taking control over, you are claiming an, an inner technology that you're using all the time. You just don't know that you're using it. Okay. So let me, let me, now that's a wonderful thing for me to say. Can I, just share, can I share something here? Oh yeah. When I downloaded, I could read chakras, everybody. And there was a level of like, I need to figure out, somebody's got to teach me how to, you know, do this and do that and do that. Like when I started to be super sensitive, I wanted for an external force to teach me how to master my own intuition and my own gift. But that was never how it's done. We as an individual always know our own version of this, right? Like it is specific to us, like you were talking about with your healing, right? Like, mm -hmm. yes, you could try and convince somebody, but it's not even that. Like I had to figure out for me what my intuition needed from me in order to, to actually master it very well. That's a, I, I, that's 100% true. And here's what else I love about what you just said to, to just tie this back really quick to why we need more healers stepping up and claiming this is because of this. We go into, like, you, we are all here to bring forward a, a way, a style of, of working with other people and helping other people heal and, and ascend and accomplish goals, whatever, in our unique way. I really actually believe that. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that, why I'm so passionate about Atmana, I give people a, a basic structure. I have a six, I call it the intuitive development pathway. I have six steps that we use systematically to help develop intuition. But here's the thing, and it's to your point, and who cares? Because at the end of the day, this is all about you taking whatever teacher, whatever person who inspires you. It's about looking at what they've done, what they've built, their own unique soul's expression, going rad, awesome, inspired, and all that did was really help inform me to bring forward my unique way of doing it, just like you said. But there's also a piece that I love about what you just said too, because my story is a little different. We talked about this in which it was just like fast and hard and it was there. It was like, you know, the people who wake up and can paint or the people who can just wake up and play an instrument. There wasn't really a slow learning curve. It was like, it just dropped, it just dropped hard and fast, right? I think that there is a super important, if you're, if you're fostering something and you know it's there, like a small spark versus like a, a fiery flame, right? Like there mm. is a nurturing, there is a piece in which you're, you're being guided into the practice of it. Yeah. Right. And I think that that's a really important piece as well. And then once you get all the information, you internalize it and make it your own, which you are. Yeah. Saying. And I, I think the mind lags, you know, why do human beings like step-by-step -step processes and blueprints and roadmaps? Like we're always trying to systematize this stuff. And why do we like it? I'll tell you why, because we have to go through all of that crap to help our little mind, our little intellectual mind, God bless it, we have to break it down in little itty bitty steps for it to understand the vast wisdom of our own heart. Yes. And that is ascension. Ascension is they the drop there. Yeah, boom. <laughs> so it's like, like, that's why I'm like, yeah, you know, like my clients are like, teach me. And I'm like, fuck, okay. I'll concretize into a step-by-step -step system what I have, what I, like you said, the bomb dropped on me. And I, people would ask me, Heather, how do you do it? I'm like, I don't know how I do it. It's like asking a bird how it flies. It's not going to explain aerodynamics to you. It's like, I flap my wings. I flap my wings and then I fly. Like it took me years to figure out how to teach what was arising out of me 
when I was in session with my clients. And, and then, so then I'm like, I really hated having to concretize it because I felt that it stole my art. I thought it was like robbing my, the art of this thing. And what I now realize on the other side, teaching people this formally is it is important for our minds to be able to coherently articulate our method for you to be able to under, like I've, I've, you and I, Tamara have spoken and you've explained to me your chakra balancing system. And I, I mean, I was like, holy crap, this is so next level. Like for you to be able to talk to me about that in the way you did shows an integration. It shows that your mind and your heart are aligned. Mm -hmm. So as much as I, you and I are like, let's just do the art. Let's go with it. Let's know we're here. Let's do it. It's, and also we have to spend the time to understand the processes that we're using so that we can step up and be a force to be reckoned with. And so that other people who have not had these their, their own personal transformation experience can understand mm -hmm. what we're talking about until they can step into that space and have their own. And I think that's the gist of being a healer, period. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, and it's so funny you say that because I'm coming down into a whole, I'll tell you all about it when I'm on your podcast, but this okay. whole new level of experience through the chakras and being able to give information in a different way because it's, and, and for those who are highly, uh, you know, active in their intuition and stuff, it is, it's, it's a, sometimes often a challenge to try and verbalize the experience that we are having, right? Or mm -hmm. how we feel or see or sense or know to somebody, right? Because it's not about convincing, but there is definitely, you know, offering of information that we're, we can give people about, you know, the experience that they're going through and also that we're going through in those really special moments because they really, really are special. And I think that you have created a system in a way in which you can help others define and describe mm -hmm. their experiences, which then helps everybody involved, those who are the intuitive person and those who are the receiver of the information. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think the reason why I like to take a research-based approach to it is it transcends dogma. I know, again, it's not like I'm not asking anybody to believe what I'm saying. It's here's what we know currently. Here's, here's the best humanity has on offer to explain how this stuff works and why it's so powerful. And I think that that is because so many people, I mean, we all know this, like, as you're listening to this right now, like stop and think about how many times you've been burned. I know I've been burned a lot. And there are a lot of people, I mean, this is going to be controversial to say, but I'm just going to say it. Like, there's a lot of people who are full of shit, totally full of shit in the marketplace today. Um, I spot them a mile away. And I think it's important for us to develop discernment. And I, I feel that I have an ethical and a moral and a spiritual responsibility to do the hard yards of grounding this in research of like, if I'm going to step up here and I'm going to say everybody on earth's an intuitive, I need to back that up mm -hmm. with something other than my opinion, mm -hmm. because you know, anyone can just stand up and say something like that. And I think that anybody should have the freedom to stand up and say it a hundred percent. Absolutely. Like in my heart, I'm a rebel. If we didn't have people who are willing to do that, it would just be the status quo mainstream, take a pill, you know, business as usual. But, but also we do now have the ability to speak intelligently about why what we're offering is a better method in a better way. I, I think so. 
So being able to concretize it in this way and speak to it, not just to have our message, but then do the hard work of being able to go, hey, you know what? Cool. You're a hardcore Catholic or you're a hardcore, you know, that's awesome. I'm not trying to rock your belief system. I think you can believe that all day. And, and, he, and here's kind of, you know, what the intuitive movement is about. And if right. you want to get into it, great. And if not, that's okay too. I'm not trying to convince I you. This beautiful like thing where people are like, what's your religion? And some people say Christian Catholic, and now it's going to become intuitive, right? Like, yeah, it's intuitive. right. That's except really- for, except for we actually can like you know, back it up with data that's empirically validated and systemically repeated. And which I think is extremely powerful because, you know, when you get to this state of, uh, you know, enlightenment, nirvana, however you want to call it, when you're completely connected to the divine and there is a sense, but there is a knowing and knowing is such a powerful word. And for those who have experienced it, like there is just a sense of, it just is like, you just, you wake Mm -hmm. up and, and there's this, this innate knowing and like you just know things <laughs> like yeah. information spits from your mouth and you're like I have no idea where that <laughs> came from <laughs> and like there's just like it's a really profound but it's a real nerve-wracking place because you don't have the data behind the knowing well imagine if you could explain how you, how that happens so imagine now you're an intuitive and that's going on imagine now you understood how that actually happens we know how that happens now How it happens. You know how the knowing. (laughs) Yeah, we know how the knowing happens. Okay, so, so, yeah, so, so, you remember how I just said, um, you know, that everyone is an intuitive and we're all intuiting every minute? Yeah. So, kind of, and this this research piece is on my website, but um, there's a, a kind of a seminal landmark intuitive experiment. My life coach certification, my first life coach certification came from Heart, the HeartMath Institute, heartmath.com, heartmath.org. Yeah. They have 20 years of research into the alleviation of anxiety, depression, but they also study consciousness mm-hmm. and intuition. And they did an experiment. I'll tell it to you really quick. So they wanted to look at non-local intuition. This is energetic communication that a person has had no prior contact with. They're not remembering things they forgot about. They're not doing pattern, pattern recognition and extrapolating from data. That's called local. There's actually two types of intuition. I won't digress into that. But they were studying non-local intuition, meaning just people vibing out on stuff. So they had p- participants come into the lab. They hooked them up to skin conductance machines, e- the EKGs, to monitor their heart rate variability, to really register all of their physiological responses as the research experiment went, went out or as they ran through the experiment. So here's the experiment. They sat and stared at a computer screen. That's all they did. Mm-hmm. Eights for eights so that the screen would be blank. And there's 45 cards, okay? 15 of the cards had emotionally salient information, things like car accidents, snakes almost, like pictures of snakes about to bite you, yeah? 15 of them had emotionally salient images, The other cards didn't. They were just like, you know, regular pictures. So what the person did was they sat and stared at the screen and then a card would appear. They would see just a blank back of the card. They would just, that's all they had to do is sit and look at it. And then the card would flip and then they would see the image. Okay. And they just did this for 45 seconds. The computer randomly chose when the emotionally salient images would show. Okay, so it's totally randomized. 
The person has no idea what's going on. They're just sitting in a room looking at cards. But here's what's insane. They found that the person's heart rate decelerated before the card was flipped for the cards that had emotionally salient imagery. So here's the point. That person's body knew that it, something's coming. It's like the heart. The heart was like, ooh, something weird's about to happen. Now the person is sitting there. They're just sitting there in their conscious mind. They're just sitting there looking at the card. Meanwhile, their body, their heart is registering all of this data, okay? So what, and this experiment has been replicated and shown, you know, to be valid many, many times. Yes. So what this shows is that your body has the ability to see things that have not happened yet, the card hadn't flipped yet, and you can know them. Now, here's the pathway. It comes into the electromagnetic field. How this is all, where it comes in is through the electromagnetic field of your heart. We also know the earth has an electromagnetic field. Every living organism on this planet emits an electromagnetic field. The human body emits them in two places, the brain and the heart. The heart is 5,000 times more powerful, powerful than the brain. So it comes into the heart. It shoots up to the brain. It registers in the limbic system, right? And then after that, it goes down to the gut. So there is a neurological pathway between the heart, the brain, and the gut. That's the intuitive pathway, okay? So your sixth sense is literally your heart and your brain's, this connection between the heart brain. Now, people always say, follow your gut. Why do we say gut if it comes in the heart? Because the gut is the first place people become consciously aware of what's going on. But that the pathway is the heart, the brain, and the gut. It takes up to three seconds for it to register in your, neocor- in your brain and then down to your stomach about eight seconds. So you're intuiting all the time. We're all intuiting all the time. We're having these reactions. We just don't know they're going on. But make no mistake, you're getting that data. So this is why they say, now, where's evidence of this colloquially in our society? When someone says, don't, don't think about it, just tell me quick. What's the answer? Don't, don't think about it. What are they trying to do? They're trying to get you to listen to that first primary response because they know that if we, if we let our mind get a hold of it, if we let our intellect start to dissect it, we'll screw the whole answer up because our brain is not smart enough. I want every client I have to understand why I always say the first answer is the right answer <laughs> right that's now. Because right. like, I always, that's like one of my big practices. Because <laughs> it's coming right? from the field. It's coming from the yes. field. It's, it's literally grabbing it from, it's literally grabbing it from out here. The conscious mind can't explain it because it's not a linear process. It's an affective process. Yes. But what we can't, the next best thing we can do is understand this physiolo- this psychophysiological process and just freaking trust it. Like you don't need to know, you just need to trust it and understand that it's just as valid as the intellectual method of making a decision. I think we're, I think we're better off when we use both our intellect and our heart, you know, to make, to make decisions and inform our lives. Of course. So that's so, just some similar research behind it. I get yeah. so excited. Like, <laughs> yeah, I get so excited in this conversation. You don't even know. Um, so I want to bring it back to you because I know that your certification course is yeah. launching. Is it launch? Can people start signing up to get certified as an intuitive coach right now? Is it starting coming up? Like when is, when is this, you know, fully yeah. 
available for people. Yeah. So next year we're going to do two. Um, so I've been teaching this in private sessions for uh, you know quite a while. And next year we're going to be launching it in a group format. And I really believe the power of having us come together as a community is so important. So in March, we will be doing a small group. It'll be a very small, like I'm thinking maybe 10 to 12 people. Right. And then in the summer slash fall of next year, um, we will be opening this up for a, well, in March, it will be a certification from my company, Atmana Coaching Academy. So you right. will be a certified life coach. There's three parts of the program. It's, you will learn, I'm, I will be teaching in Atmana. You will learn literally from the same graduate school book that I took in grad school. So you're going to learn all of the basic coaching skills that we need to learn how to, you know, shepherd people through the transformation process. Atmana, um, I'm working with the International Coach Federation right now to have my company accredited. So Atmana will be probably by the end of next year accredited as a coach training company with the ICF. Mm-hmm. Um, for those of you who aren't familiar with the ICF, please um, go out, you know, Google them, International Coach Federation. Right now, coaching is a completely deregulated industry, but you guys, it's not always going to be. It's not always going to be where you can just pop up and call yourself, a, you know, I am a coach. It's like, no. And there are already even companies and stuff are already even cracking down on this. Like you yeah. need to have a certification. So I am working so that Atmana, when you have a certification from Atmana, you are eligible to sit directly for a certification through the ICF, which is the premier coaching institution the coaching certification in the world. Okay. Right. So one, it's advantageous to train through us just because we're working to get that high level accreditation, which is incredibly hard to get. So you'll learn the 11 core competencies, the basic skills as outlined by the ICF. And then you learn Atmana intuitive coaching core competencies. You're going to learn how to apply in an evidence-based way your intuition in session. So you'll learn those basic skills and then add your own, right? Like I'm like, girl, go do your thing. So you'll learn that and then business development on the back end and that'll start next year. So I'll, I'll keep you posted on. Yeah, absolutely. Cause like, I mean, our, just curiosity if somebody's listening they're like, I don't, I don't, if there's only like 10 to 12 spots, Heather, and I know I'm one of those people, like mm-hmm. can they not contact you now to get on? Yeah. List Tell them to, yes. Yeah. Email me, Heather at Heather <laughs> Um, Actually, I will say this, do this. There, if you go to my website, um, there is a opt-in called the eight pillars of launching a profitable coaching practice. Go and opt into that. Just, you'll find it somewhere on my page. I can't remember exactly where it's at, or we can leave it in show notes. If they will opt into that, if, if they opt into that, you guys, I'll put you on my list for my March for my March launch yeah. where it's those super small group. Yeah. And I will, I'll say this too, that super small group, I'm probably going to give a, an incredible um, discount on the tuition, but I will only do that once. Yeah. Everybody's listening. <laughs> I'm only doing it once now. Yeah. And the, and the program proper is probably going to be, you know, it's 10 K. So I will offer it. Why am I reducing it for that first? Cause I haven't taught it in a group setting. Right. beyond three people yet. And I believe that I, again, ethically, sh- since it's my first time teaching, you know, more, I should offer some type of 
of lower price point because I am also being, you know, I think that's important for me to do. I think it is too, because it's almost like we're learning just as much as they are learning. And on the side note though, you guys, I, as a coach and Heather can attest to this, when we're doing these primary programs, these betas, if you will, there is so much more in like, not that it goes down, but there's a level of creative energy in these initial programs that for me is just so powerful to be a part of energetically because there's a level of expansion and learning and growth from our, from the coach who is offering the program to be in that aligned state with them. And it's like almost mm-hmm. like it, it lifts, it vibrates you differently in those experiences as well. So. I totally agree with that. That's actually a really cool way to describe it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I just love it. love it. Yeah. I'm going to be doing something different coming up in a couple months too with my pro- current program. And I'm excited about like, cause I'm excited. So like it's a level of how we show up in it. Mm-hmm. That is totally. Yeah. 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 So powerful. Um, so I love to say, where can people reach you? I know that you said we're going to drop your website. Is that like, honestly, just get there. She's got, tell us about your new quiz before. Um, oh. we like, <laughs> I am like tripping on this thing. I am whatever. Okay. You know, you like have a creative idea and you're like, I'm so on fire for it, but you don't really know how it's going to go. You know, like not every idea you execute on is a hit. Dude, this thing is like a hit. I'm just shocked anyway. Okay. So I created, um, this is the new sort of, um, my general, uh, give my freebie for Atmana coaching Academy. And my website is Heather Alice S-H-E-S-H-E-A. So if you go there, you'll see just there's a tab on my nav that says quiz. So go there and take, it's called the Intuitive Coach Archetype Quiz. And what this quiz does is it helps you get clear on the four things that you have got to be clear on if you are even going to think about being an intu- a professional intuitive in the world or just a everyday intuitive that wants to be a light, to be a source of guidance and inspiration. There are, we have to know ourselves first. It always starts within. And so I've noticed over the last six years of working with people that there are four main types of, um, I guess, maybe identities that people take on as intuitives. And so I created the archetype quiz to personify, and I use Greek mythology to do it. So I tell the Greek, the, the Greek story. So the intuitive coach archetype quiz is finding out what your intuitive archetype is. So it's the four things are, it's who you are, how do you, who are you? How do you naturally show up in the world with all of your strengths, with your light? Who are you? You know, what do you really do? Like everyone has the first thing that you do is you be. It's, it's my higher self always says to me, Heather, everyone's per, everyone has the same life purpose. And the purpose isn't what you do. It's what you are. It's who you are called to become. And that person is the same for everyone. It's your, it's your own higher self. So first we be, it's who you are. Second, it's how is that embodied and expressed in the world? We say this by what is it that you do? And then it's who you do it for. Who are you called to serve? Right? Like there's a specific somebody out there that needs you. And then how we execute that again, back to that step by step by step, because our little brains need it. That's what the archetypes help you parse out. So when you go and take the quiz, you get a personalized report 
and it goes through, um, you'll learn your archetype story and the archetypes are um, Athena, Demeter, Persephone, and Hecate. And these are all of the baddest biatches that you could ever <laughs> like get your hands on. And each of them have specific strengths, how they show up as intuitives. Like, a, um, so it, it's, it's neat. I'm still, I'm still building out the framework of, of it. Course. But what a fun foundation. And you guys, it was funny because I, I was reading Heather's email that came in, I think yesterday or the day before about how you broke the My quiz. quiz. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. So many people like wanted to Took know it. information. Like, just, yeah. Like, and like, like, and like, it was crazy, like 30 minutes. Like we had to literally like up our accounts. So I had to up crazy. our, um, my email, my accounts, like, because I had so many people come through. It was crazy. I love that. I love that story. Yeah. Um, so I love to end with one question and it's super selfish and I'm totally okay with that because as a continuous learner, and book nerd who totally. wants to have a massive list of books to read. I already wrote down Real Magic, but I don't include that because you can only, you know, the first answer is the right answer. This is what we were talking about. <laughs> if you could impart only one book for my listeners that you found absolutely transformational in your journey into being the Heather Alice Shea that you are today, what is the first book that comes to mind to share with them? Oh. This really? One. This one I know is super hard, but it's super it's, fun. It's um. Can I do two? <laughs> sure. Okay, I'll do my. I'll do. I'll do the first one that popped in. Um, it's not. It's not an intuitive book, but this is what gave me this. This book gave me the strength to overcome my own personal obstacles in my life. Viktor Frankl's book, Man's Search for Meaning. Viktor Frankl is the founder, one of the founding fathers of existential theory. He was a survivor of Auschwitz. His whole family was killed by the Nazis. And the man's search for meaning is his story on what it was to survive the literally the worst torture, the worst of humanity, the human beings at their worst. This man was a victim. His family, they killed his wife. They killed his whole family, everyone. Oh my God. And he survived it. And not only did he survive it, he wrote, he began the book, Man's Search for Meaning. And he found, he's the founder of a therapy called Logotherapy, which is all about transcending suffering by learning your lesson and seeing the gift in your suffering. Mm -hmm. Because of this book, I was able to fully heal my sexual abuse. I, I was a, a, I'm a sexual abuse survivor from the ages of four to six. I was sexually abused by a family friend. Um, through reading this book, I was able to step into my victor story, mm -hmm. to let go of my victim story and, and step into that. And I think that for every healer on this earth, you're a per, you are going to be a person who feels not only your own pain, but the pain of others. And when you hear this man talk about what it is to suffer and what it is to find the meaning in your suffering, dude, your life will never be the same. And anytime I start feeling sorry for myself, I'm like, yo, Viktor Frankl survived Nazi Germany. I have no excuse. Mm -hmm. What, you know, I'm sorry, babe. Like you have first world problems. <laughs> it's okay. So Victor Frankel's Man's Search for Meaning, yeah. Uh, another one is Practical Intuition by Laura Day. If you want a, just a good book on intuition, Practical okay. Intuition. Yeah. Thank you. I love to slide that in. You slid <laughs> that in. I, 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 I want to add, but I want to. 
Thank but man's search for me, it'll change your life, dude. It'll change I'm your totally life. gonna read that. And I'm so grateful that you came and shared your magic on today's on your intuitive episode. Thank you, girl. Every second of this conversation. And uh, you know that I am here to back at Mana and the intuitive, Ugh. you know, coaching certification. We've talked about that. Yes. So profound and so powerful. And guys, from me to you listening, I truly believe that Heather Alashay is going to change the perspective in the landscape of intuition. So definitely send her a mission, like a message. If this yeah. is something that resonates with you for the March program, get yourself in there. And I will email you back personally. You can even email me at Heather. Well, you're a real human. I'll email you back. Yeah, you're a real human. <laughs> but I want to say to you, thank you, Tamara. It's been a, an honor truly to be in your presence and to be here with everyone listening. Um, I know it's through the ether that we connect, but regardless of that, you know, I feel you and I know tomorrow does too. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, you guys. Super excited to, for this podcast to drop for everybody. And again, I look forward to sharing another magical human with you next week.